2: you everything you need to fight the trump administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show
1: yes indeed john mccain who's got the best health care in the world coming back to washington to take health care away from 22 million americans what's wrong with that guy hey hello everybody what do you say No American hero anymore. It's good to see you today. It is Tuesday, July 25. Uh, This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us as we roll through the issues of the day. And boy, there is a lot to talk about today. Donald Trump is up and Adam, seven by my last count, and maybe more since I started the show here. Seven tweets in the last hour most of them attacking his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, whom he called, yesterday he called beleaguered, this morning he calls very weak, how much longer before Donald Trump fires Jeff Sessions uh, and tries to put in another uh, Trump loyalist uh, in that position. That seems to be the pattern for the Trump White House. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We have lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, The big vote today on whether to proceed with the debate on health care. That's what John McCain is flying back for. Jared Kushner yesterday uh, testifying in private before the Senate Judiciary Committee and then coming down to the White House and talking to us reporters. We'll tell you all about that. I was there. And Democrats Democrats releasing a better deal for the American people yesterday. This is what Democrats stand for, uh, not just who they are against. So much to talk about. We want to hear from you, your comments on Twitter, and what it all mean, uh, on what it all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get right to it. But first, this is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories for you on this Tuesday morning. We begin out of Wisconsin, great state of Wisconsin. I know we have a pretty big listener base out there. There's a company in Wisconsin called Three Square Market. They are a technology company. They announced late last week that they will be offering their employees a chance to be microchipped. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like they will literally implant a microchip uh, in your hand, inside your hand. Uh, The company will pay for it. Each chip costs about $300. And if you have a microchip in your hand, they're called an RFID chip. It's basically like having a credit card and ID badge inside your hand. Bill, would you do this? Uh, No. Why? Why?
1: Well, why would I do it? Do you
3: feel like you'd be tracked?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little
3: big brothery. The ACLU in the past has taken a stance against these RFID tags. But 3Square Market, uh, this is the first time we've heard about this in the U.S., that they are uh, offering these to their own employees for free. So, we'll see well, what uh, well, what's the purpose? Well, 3Square Market, as being a technology company, primarily they create uh, vending machines and self-checkout technology. So... Uh, The the idea there is that you would use your hand on one of their vending machines and you wouldn't have to take out a credit card or your phone. You wouldn't even have to do Apple Pay, which is a a similar technology. So uh, interesting announcement there from Three Square Market. A new petition uh, uh, populating on change.org overnight out of Bradenton, Florida. This involves uh, a manatee. A manatee called Snooty. Snooty was 69 years old and he died on Sunday. That's right. Uh, He had been in uh, Bradenton, Florida, at the zoo there for uh, 40, uh, excuse me, since 1949. Uh, What uh, this petition is calling for is to have a Confederate monument in Bradenton, Florida, (laughs) replaced with a statue of Snooty the manatee. Currently, uh, as I'm looking at the petition on change.org, we have 3,500 supporters out of 5,000 needed to send this to the mayor of Bradenton. So we may possibly have a statue of a manatee instead of a Confederate statue.
1: Well, then the mayor and the city council, I guess, would have to go along with it. That's right. right. Yeah, I would sign that petition. Yeah, I mean, Florida, think that you go off the Gulf Coast of so Florida, manatees are it. Right? Yeah. That's what everyone yeah. wants to see. Long yeah, live yeah, Snooty.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online, this is
1: The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. It is Tuesday, July 25. Uh, This is The uh, Bill Press Show. It may be early in the morning, but we're running fast to keep up with the tweets from the White House, the tweets from Donald Trump, man, the mooch. The mooch has certainly, man, he has calmed Donald down. That's a new day now. We're not going to have these wild-ass tweets all the time under Scaramucci because he's going to get things, pardon me, under control. No, what Scaramucci is going to do is just let Donald Trump do whatever he wants to do and whatever he has always done, which is uh, say anything that's off the top of his head and insult anybody, uh, including his own attorney general. Anyhow, it is The Bill Press Show. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. All part of the Young Turks Network. We come to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash Show. On Free Speech TV, great to see you on TV land and on WCPT out in the great Chicago area. Hello, friends and neighbors, wherever you happen to be, whether you're watching or listening, thank you for joining us and send us your comments on what we're talking about and what's in the news today on Twitter, at BP Show. Yes, indeed, tweet storm this morning. That's going to start right there because of the subject of these tweets. First of all, there are seven of them by last count again. Again, Uh, I just pulled them up on my phone, and if you'll be patient with me, I'll get them again. But what's stunning is how many of these are directed at Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Uh, Donald Trump tweeting out uh, this morning. Um, Here we go. Attorney General. No, first of all, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump campaign. Quietly working to boost Clinton. So where is the investigation, Attorney General? Mm -hmm. And he added Sean
3: Sean Hannity, which Uh, suggests that he was... uh, Watching He queued queued up his DVR this morning to watch last night
1: Sean Hannity that he missed. Right. Then he follows up with... Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken a very weak, all caps... Very weak position on Hillary Clinton crimes. Where are the emails and the DNC server? And very weak position on Intel leakers. Problem is that the acting head of the FBI and the person in charge of the Hillary investigation, Andrew McCabe, got $700,000 from Hillary For his wife, I don't know what that's about. Uh, uh, (laughs) It wasn't Andrew McCabe. It may have been his wife. Who knows? But the point is, we have never seen this before. Jeff Sessions is a member of the president's cabinet. Jeff Sessions. Look, I'm no fan of Jeff Sessions. I'm just telling you the facts, reminding ourselves of the facts. Jeff Sessions was the only senator to support Donald Trump for president forever. Jeff Sessions was the loyalist who went out there and campaigned for Donald Trump all across the United States. Jeff Sessions defended Donald Trump against the Access Hollywood tape and everything else. Donald Trump made him attorney general, and now Jeff Sessions is attacking him for not investigating Hillary Clinton. There's so much wrong with that. First of all, Hillary Clinton's been investigated. Doesn't Donald Trump know it? There was an FBI investigation. And then they reopened the FBI investigation under James Comey, and they found a lot of sloppiness, nothing illegal, nothing. There were at least 15 congressional hearings about Hillary Clinton and the emails and everything else. They found absolutely nothing. What was it? She was there for like 12 hours one day testifying. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. But is this really what we, the other thing is? Is this really what we want in American politics? You win an election and instead of moving on, you spend all your time rerunning the last election, attacking your opponent. Not only that, calling for the Justice Department to investigate your opponent. I mean, you know, people don't like a sore loser. I think a sore winner is worse, right? But, I mean, this is really dangerous. The idea that Donald Trump really, really does. Remember, he said he said in one of the debates that he was going to lock her up and put her in jail. That's what he wants to do. That's really what he wants to do, and he wants Jeff Sessions to do it for him. And I'll tell you what I think this means. I think this means he is trying to force and humiliate Jeff Sessions to get him to resign. Yesterday, he tweeted out and uh, <coughs> pardon me, and called him a beleaguered attorney general. <clears throat> the beleaguered attorney general. Again, trying to humiliate uh, Sessions and say, aren't you getting the message? I don't want you around here anymore. And not only that, the front page of the Washington Post this morning reports uh, that Donald Trump and his aides are, in fact, actively talking about Uh, who would replace Jeff Sessions. Uh, They are looking for a loyalist to come in there. And the name that they floated yesterday was none other than hapless Rudy Giuliani. Of course. Yeah. I mean. Who else? Who else? Well, Chris Christie or Rudy Giuliani, neither one of them. Just
3: pick a guy that Trump likes watching on television.
1: Neither one of them got, yeah, neither one of them uh, got a job. So maybe this is it. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, didn't do himself any favors yesterday, perhaps because Giuliani came out and said that Jeff and defended Jeff Sessions, saying that Jeff Sessions made the right decision when he recused himself from the Russian investigation. And of course, that's where it all that's where it all stems from, because Donald Trump is absolutely he wants the world to believe that this Russian investigation uh, amounts to nothing, that there was nothing there that. Uh, um, it's all a big witch hunt. We've heard it how many times. Again, this morning he, he used that phrase. Um, and uh, by recusing himself, he believes Jeff Sessions gives the impression that the Russian investigation is serious. Serious enough that Jeff Sessions, because of his meetings with the Russian ambassador, could not oversee that investigation. And by the way, Jeff Sessions is absolutely right. He should never have had those meetings, but he certainly should have recused himself because he would not be seen as an objective uh, head of that investigation, overseer of that investigation, given given his own contacts with the Russians. At any rate, again, Donald Trump in a tweet storm this morning directed not against uh, the Democrats, directed against his attorney general. It's only a matter of time before. It, I believe, that uh, that Donald Trump will succeed. Uh, in for- I mean, how, how can Sessions stay there when every day his boss is undermining uh, his credibility and his ability to do the job?
3: By the way, we just put up a poll on our Twitter at BP Show, <coughs> on Twitter oh, at cool. BP yes. Show. Will Donald Trump fire his Attorney General, Jeff Sessions? Yes, no, or will Sessions resign first? So fill it out. Fill out the poll on our Twitter at BP
1: show at BP show. And you'll bring us up to date on the. Uh...
3: Yeah, we'll check back in about a half an hour.
1: How about uh, that? OK. All right. Uh, that's good. Now. Uh, so speaking of Jeff, uh, 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 how about this for a segue from Jeff Sessions, recusing himself, Donald Trump attacking him for recusing himself, attacking him this morning as very weak, calling him yesterday beleaguered uh And because of his contact or, refuse, or or recusing himself from the Russian investigation, uh, Russia was front and center again yesterday. I was down at the White House when uh, little Jared Kushner comes back from testifying in front in private in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee and gave a statement to us, uh, White House reporters out there. I got to tell you, it was such a scene. Uh, I don't know whether you if you uh, I hope you follow us on Twitter because you would have seen, I tweeted out, First of all, uh, the, the, you know, so there's this thing called the stakeout. It's it's not in the briefing room. It's outside. It's in the driveway just outside the entrance to the West Wing, which is where the Oval Office is. <coughs> Pardon me. And that's where guests to go in uh, to um, to have their meetings in the West Wing, go in that entrance. And there is a Marine station at that door, uh, the Marine I still haven't quite figured out, but the Marine is there, and the Marine kind of knows. Certainly, when you're coming in, the Marine sees you because you're walking in, and he opens a door. But And I've done this myself. When you're leaving, he's got some kind of a cue that he knows when somebody's coming out. So he opens a door even before you get there if you're leaving the building. That's pretty cool to watch. At any rate, outside of that entrance... um, For those of us reporters who cover the White House, there are always microphones set up. So somebody who meets with the president, they'll come out there if they want to, and we'll talk to reporters and talk about their meeting with the president. There's always a microphone microphone there. So I've seen countless governors, cabinet members, uh, business leaders come out there. Uh, We all have on television. Yesterday was very different, and people have been around the White House, reporters, a lot longer than I have have never seen anything like it. That yesterday, they didn't just have the microphone. They had a little stand, and they had the White House seal. Tiny little lectern there. Tiny little lectern with the White House seal on it. Again, I've seen cabinet members, governors, former presidents, never that. They set this up for Jared Kushner, for the son-in-law. And Kushner came out. I'm, I'm sorry. He looks like he's 13 years old. And he strode out and yesterday and asserted that he did nothing wrong. Everything was proper. Uh, here he is, uh, Jared Kushner. There was no collusion.
3: Let me be very clear. I did not collude with Russia, nor do I know of anyone else in the campaign who
1: did so. And all of my contacts were proper.
3: I had no improper contacts. I have not relied on Russian funds <laughs> for my businesses.
1: But he couldn't help but get a dig in saying about this whole Russian investigation, echoing his father-in-law. In In fact, I'm sure that Donald Trump insisted that this sentence be in his statement.
3: Donald Trump had a better message and ran a smarter campaign. And that is why he won. Suggesting otherwise ridicules those who voted for him? Oh, he's such a good
1: boy. Look, a at good boy. Look at that. Look at the good boy. I know, yeah. Oh. He gets a little pat on the head from Donnie for that, yeah. No, that's not why Donald Trump won. He won because Hillary Clinton ran such a bad campaign. Uh and also he won because he had a little help from the Russians uh in getting there. Yes. yes. Oh yes. That's true. Yes, yes that is true. Absolutely. Uh, But (laughs) – and Sarah Huckabee Sanders yesterday told reporters how proud Donald Ross of Jared Kushner. But here's what what gets lost in this whole thing. So Jared Kushner said, "Um, I had four meetings, four meetings with the Russians, and I did nothing improper, and I, I did not collude with them. Please, please, let's focus on really what he's saying. It's not that he only had four meetings. It's not that nothing happened at those four meetings, as if you believe him, but he contradicts everything that Donald Trump and Kellyanne Conway and Reince Priebus and Sean Spicer and the whole gang have been saying, and Mike Pence, for over a year. If if Jared Kushner only had four meetings, and then we know there are all these other meetings with Jeff Sessions and Michael Flynn, the fact is... They lied for a year that there were no meetings. So the fact that Kushner says there were only four is not, doesn't help their case. It destroys their case. It proves they were lying all along about the contacts with leaders or officials from the Russian government. And by the way, you got if so, Kushner lied for over a year. And then he lied on the forms that he filed for his national security clearance. Where at first he didn't mention any meetings with the Russians, and it says contacts with foreign officials. That's you're supposed to list them out. Kushner says now he claims, "Oh, he was just a novice. He didn't realize you had to do that." Or worse yet, somebody in his office filled that out and filed it before he even knew it for his own security clearance form. I mean, it doesn't add up. Kushner's, I I thought that Kushner's statement yesterday and his whole trying to get ahead of the game and trying to prove that he was transparent. I think he raised more questions than answers yesterday, for sure. And overall, I think the looming question here overall is how could they have all of these meetings and how could the entire Donald Trump brain trust be at these meetings with Donnie Jr. and Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner couldn't get any higher in the campaign than that. And then Michael Flynn and then Jeff Sessions. How could all these people be meeting with all these Russians and Don- and none of them ever tell Donald Trump, the candidate, uh, about any of these meetings or what they were doing, whom they met with, or what they talked about? It, it is incredible, literally incredible. You can't believe that that happened, that Donald Trump did not know what was going on. By
3: the way, Jared Kushner is 36 years old. Is he really? He's not a young man. I mean, oh, he could yeah, technically run for president, right? Yeah.
1: He's not a 21-year-old. Yeah, uh, He's not an intern, right? Right. Yeah, He's not an and intern by the way, that might
3: have some trouble with form. He's Forbes. a smart
1: businessman. I mean, uh, he, I, I guess, made a lot of money. He owned, a, he, he owned properties when he was in college. Yes. He's a big real estate tycoon, like probably has as much money as his father-in-law. And he owned the newspaper. Uh, the New York Observer. So, yeah, you're right. He's not a, he, he, He's hardly a political novice. Uh, at any rate, it was quite a scene uh, in front of the White House yesterday. Of course, he didn't take any questions. He came out, uh, made his statement, then turned around and walked away. If Donald Trump was not talking uh, about uh, Jeff Sessions yesterday, he was talking about health care. Uh, using the occasion of being bringing some people that he just lined up and said these were the victims of Obamacare. Yeah, there are 22 million people out there who are going to lose their health insurance if the Republican plan goes through. Donald Trump doesn't want to talk about them. He came up with, uh, and who knows what their stories were, because we never hold uh, a dozen people. He's standing behind him, probably got them out of the crowd of normal people who were there, just there to tour the White House and said, hey, just stand behind me and just shut up, don't say anything, and I'll call you victims of Obamacare. And uh, Donald Trump, again, accusing the uh, Republicans of not doing their job. Here, he said, is what they've got to do. The vote is today to proceed. Donald Trump, they got to do it. We promised.
0: We as a party must fulfill that solemn promise to the voters of this country to repeal and replace what they've been saying the last seven years.
1: And he said the Republican senators have not been doing their job.
0: So far, Senate Republicans have not done their job in ending the Obamacare nightmare. They now have a chance, however, to hopefully, hopefully fix what has been so badly broken for such a long time.
1: Yes, fix it today. And today is the vote. Uh, Mitch McConnell has scheduled a vote uh, allegedly, that it it looks like it's going to happen mid afternoon, late afternoon today. Republicans are going to caucus first to try to figure out their game plan. And let's remember again, and we're going to be talking more about this with uh, Tom Lobianco, our good friend from uh, CNN, coming up here, and then uh, later, Alex Seitzwald from MSNBC is going to join us, as well as Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal uh, from uh, Washington State. Uh, but the, the vote is the vote to proceed with debate, just whether or not they will open debate on this health care plan. But uh, and, and, and Mitch McConnell is presenting it as just a, an innocent little debate. How could you not decide to go forward and debate this bill? Well, that is a trap, uh, as we talked about yesterday, because once it gets on the floor Anything can happen, and those who really oppose doing anything have already lost the first round. Uh, in fact, technically, this is the way it works. and they need <clears throat> he needs a minimum of fifty votes. the fifty two senators, Republican senators, he needs fifty if it's tied, Mike Pence can break the tie. Um, so he can only lose, uh, Mitch McConnell can only lose um, two votes. If he loses three, it's done. But once they say, yes, we're going to proceed, that means they're going to proceed to vote first on the House bill. Yes, the House bill, that's the way it works. That's, this is a bill that the Congressional Budget Office said would deny 53, uh, 23 million Americans of the health insurance that they now have. So they start there and can only go downhill from there as far as Senate options uh that that that's why um if anybody really wants to um really thinking about the American people about um seventy million people on Medicaid, about expansion of Medicaid, or about twenty two million Americans who now have health insurance and never had it before the wait the proper vote today the What we would hope that they would do is vote no, so far, only Susan Collins is a firm no uh so the ones who are wavering who haven't decided how they're going to vote so far, I made a list of them this morning uh Rob Portman, Shelley Moore Capito, Lisa Murkowski, Dean Heller, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Jerry Moran, and Rob Johnson uh they're the ones that we're going to be watching to see how they vote. But most eyes are going to be on John McCain, which I got to say is, I think, a very sad situation. It was announced last night that John McCain, who just a week ago, uh, had this procedure to remove a blood clot above his left eye. uh, And then we were told had actually gotten uh, worse news, diagnosed with a very serious form of brain cancer. We didn't know how long he was going to be out in Arizona um, undergoing treatment. John McCain is jetting back today to Washington, D.C. to vote on the health care bill. And he will vote. He has said he may not vote for the final thing, but he will vote to proceed today to open up the debate to give Mitch McConnell one more vote, which I think is outrageous. When you think of it, here is John McCain, a senator who has the gold standard in health care. Who is flying back here to Washington to deny, to take health care, uh, health insurance away from 22 million American, according to the Congressional Budget Office, and uh, to stop Medicaid in its tracks and to gut what today, Medicaid, is the largest and the most expansive health care plan in the entire country. It's just disgusting to think that John, this is the way John McCain would want to end his career with this kind of a vote, it's a cowardly vote. And I think the man has gone from uh, American hero to American coward by not standing up to Mitch McConnell, to Ted Cruz, to Mike Lee, and the people who want to gut Obamacare uh, and gut Medicaid, and and again, uh, deny millions and millions and millions of Americans of the protection that they have for their families today for the first time ever. It's sad that this is a way uh, that this is how John McCain is uh, again seeking to end his career. Um, But he will come back, make a dramatic return today. I'm sure he'll be well received by his fellow senators um, for his courage in coming back. Um, I think it's a cowardly thing to do to come back and cast that vote. In the meantime, so we'll be watching that today, talk more about it tomorrow. One other item, boy, there's so much to get to. And don't forget, your comments on the news, please, at BP Show. Uh, the Democrats, you know, everybody says this, you can't just be against everything. you got to be for something. And others have made this mistake, right? Republicans made this mistake for the last eight years. They were against anything President Obama wanted. They didn't put forth any ideas of their own, none. In fact, once they got control as we know, and had to come up with their own ideas, like, what are we going to replace Obamacare with? They had nothing, because they hadn't even gotten to work on coming up with with something positive. Hillary Clinton made the same mistake during her campaign. Yeah, every speech, she was out there uh, telling how bad Donald Trump was, how unfit he was for office, all of which is true, but... While she had a lot of policy papers and while she had a lot of positions on issues, she didn't talk so much about what we're going to do if we win. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we promised. Here's our agenda. It was too much anti-Trump. Didn't help her. Well, Democrats don't want to make that mistake again, Uh, that same mistake, rather. And yesterday, they did something about it. Went down to Berryville, Virginia, which I never even heard of before. It's uh, northern Virginia, about 70 miles away from Washington. Uh, and the leadership was there: Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi was there, Chris Van Hollen was there, Amy Klobuchar was there. Who else did I see? Uh, our good friend David Cicilline from um, Cicilline from uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, former mayor of Providence, now congressman from uh, from Rhode Island. Uh, a good panoply of Democrats on the stage, and they were presenting what they're calling a better deal, echoes of uh, FDR's New Deal, a better deal for America. Here is Chuck Schumer.
0: We are here today to tell the people of Berryville and the working people of America, someone has your back.
1: Nancy Pelosi with the slogan, it's a better deal for everybody. Democrats are offering a better deal, better jobs, better wages, a better future. Uh, And so the Democrats put forth their agenda It kind of echoes, maybe, of Newt Gingrich's contract with America. But again, this is what they say we will do if we take over again. It includes lowering prescription drug prices. It includes cracking down on corporate monopolies. And it includes creating millions of more jobs by uh, doing something about rebuilding our infrastructure, which, of course, is something that Donald Trump promised and has not done anything about. So, on many fronts, the Jeff Sessions front, Donald Trump attacking him again this morning, the Jared Kushner front, uh, the healthcare b- vote today, and Democrats with their better deal. We got so much to talk about today. Let's say hello to Tom Lobianco from CNN, get his take on everything that's going on. Uh, so, stay with us right here on the Bill Press Show this Tuesday, July 25.
0: By the way, you're going to get the votes. He better get him. He better get him. Oh, he better. Otherwise, I'll say, Tom, you're fired. I'll get somebody.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, New great channel Stream live video at youtube.com/ the Bill Show.
1: Hey, here we go now on a Tuesday, July 25. Yes indeed, lots of news uh, to uh, talk about. Well, one thing though that we can all be grateful for um, And Donald Trump uh, made this announcement to the Boy Scouts yesterday at their Jamboree out in uh, West Virginia. You know, this is only July, but uh, we're already starting some people to think about their Christmas shopping. Uh, well what uh, did I say Christmas? Oh I guess I, yeah, well that's it. I'm allowed to say Christmas now. I don't have to say holiday shopping Here hit Donald Trump to the Boy Scouts yesterday.
0: And by the way, under the Trump administration, you'll be saying Merry Christmas again when you go shopping, believe me. Merry Christmas.
3: I have one question, Bill. Uh, Isn't that great? What will Fox News do uh, in November and December? They'll have nothing, no programming, no war on Christmas. The war on Christmas is over.
1: Well, Bill O'Reilly's gone too, right? Oh, that's true. Tom LoBianco here from the Congressional Reporter for CNN. Well, Tom, you know we're getting right to the the meat of the the biggest problems facing Merry the country. Merry
4: Christmas, Bill. Merry, Merry Christmas,
3: James. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Christmas. Tom. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Oh, great. No more happy holidays. <laughs> I know.
1: No. this whole myth. I mean, it's just insane. We haven't been able to say Merry Christmas. It's great. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel oppressed. <laughs> I do. I really do. So, uh, Jared Kushner came up to the hill yesterday.
4: Uh, and what was the what was the reaction? Uh, it was interesting. You know, he spoke with the Senate Intelligence Committee um, staff yesterday, and the way they do things over there, so on the Senate-Russia investigation, the way they was do Was it intelligence things... or judiciary? Uh, Intel. Intel. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there's a whole fascinating dynamic playing out right now uh, between judiciary, between truck, Chuck Grassley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. That's a whole other thing. We could get into that if you want to. A um, whole different ballgame, but- Kushner in particular before the main Senate investigation on Russia just the staff uh, all indications preliminary interview um, you know he came out afterwards our uh, our colleague uh, Ted Barrett veteran of the hill uh, mm-hmm. actually caught Barrett, uh, caught uh, Kushner on his way out the door one of the only people to get a question in with him and he said you know did you did you answer the questions and he said as many as they had you know so he, he says that you yeah. answer all these questions he was in there, there two hours? Yeah, well, yeah, slightly more, um, which was more than they expected. I think they mm-hmm. were only planning on about ninety minutes. Um, this is the staff uh, uh, on the Democratic and Republican side, and what you know, the way this works is that they're kind of doing it's like a screening interview. If oh, you will. I see. You're kind yeah. of doing, you know, so the, the way they do their investigation is kind of the way you do any sort of, you know, so it's a legal... preliminary interview, huh? exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: the dry run before they go in front of the whole committee.
4: Exactly, and. Uh, big deal, obviously, because this is the first time that we're into the president's current inner circle. We're not talking about people like Michael Flynn. We're not talking about yeah, Paul Manafort, yeah. <laughs> people who have been shoved aside. We're talking about uh, his son-in-law, someone who I, I doubt will ever be shoved aside. You know, if there's any th- such thing as job security in that administration, I would suppose that's it.
1: Marrying his daughter would be... That's pretty yeah, good. Pretty yeah. good. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
4: uh, right. And he... Uh, so. Will he testify in public? We don't know that. You know, he did something interesting yesterday, or his his team did something interesting. They floated the idea of making the testimony that he gave in private to uh, the Senate uh, committee um, public. They want to take that public.
1: Didn't he do that yesterday? I mean, the statement, he released his statement early yesterday morning before he he went to the Hill. He did
4: release the statement, but— so why – okay, if you release a statement, then why would you also ask for the testimony to go out? The reason you would do that is because you want the committee's questions to be released as well. So you want a transcript of all that out there. Oh, I got and it. So, so the, the whole transcript, the back exactly. and forth, of
1: everything, yeah.
4: So you want the – so the gambit there is it's – I mean politically, obviously, it's great because you can go out there and argue that you're, you're all about transparency, et cetera, et cetera, and the committee will never agree to it because uh, they don't want to show their cards. Mm-hmm. OK, so mm-hmm. um, now would that would this be in public for maybe the next um, interview? That's possible. Uh, Senators Joe Manchin and Ron Wyden yeah. who are both on the uh, intelligence committee, said that they would like to have him come back in public. Um, we're going to have him today before the House Intelligence Committee in private. Uh, but all indications are that they're they will ask him to come back for a second interview uh, most likely. And uh, there's a good chance that that's pushed to be public as well. Uh,
1: so today he's appearing in front of the House Intelligence Committee and that uh, sleazy Adam Schiff. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was the president's tweet yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he he can't help himself. I mean, right?
4: It's, what's, it's, what's your insult name? I'm, I'm just curious. What, what would we call I, Bill Press? What yeah, the president I don't know. I Bill mean, Press? you know,
1: Crooked Hillary, Sleazy Adam <laughs> Schiff, uh, Lion Ted. You know, yeah, it's just. It, it's so juvenile, right? I thought Adam Schiff's response was perfect, right? Mr. Well, president fascinating this is below the dignity of the office of the president.
4: Does he I mean I, I I suspect he doesn't know this but I mean he's he's elevating Schiff into a senate run on the you know yeah. uh, oh, Whenever sure. Feinstein, you know, decides you know, retires, leaves, whatever, all right? There's Adam Schiff in the wings. Look at that that tweet and you know Twitter is not the arbiter of all things here, but it's a you know reasonable gauge of the base and the president's tweet last time i checked you know yesterday evening had gotten like something like 50,000 likes which is you know huge Mm -hmm. obviously ship's response had gotten like (laughs) 84,000 which is like and and, you know and it's it is kind of you know it's not like a you know this is all anecdotal etc but like he's elevating him he is elevating Uh, his antagonist he's elevating his nemesis by playing this you know this style of politics
1: right Uh, Well, this morning, his attacks are not against uh, uh, Adam Schiff, but against his attorney general, uh, Jeff Sessions. (laughs) Uh, Yesterday, he called him beleaguered, the beleaguered attorney general. This morning, he calls it very weak, right? Right. Very weak response on the part of uh, Jeff Jeff Sessions, Uh, his response to the Russian. And why isn't he investigating Hillary? This is not the first time. That he's calling on Jeff Sessions to investigate him. So let's take it one at a time. I mean, what is his?
4: What's he trying to do with Sessions? Force him out, or is he going to fire him? He could. He could fire him at this point. It's possible. Um, You know, we've we've heard that chatter. Our, Our reporters out of the White House have heard. Uh, this this rumor, this you know, this idea being floated that obviously the name of Rudy Giuliani has been mentioned as well. Yeah, um, as a as a replacement for Sessions. Washington
1: um, Post reporting this morning front page that there are active conversations now at the White House right. with Trump, including Trump, about firing uh, who whom they would get to replace Jeff right. Sessions, and Rudy Giuliani's name is one they floated yesterday, but Giuliani yesterday said. Sessions did the right thing when he recused himself,
4: yeah <laughs> it's you know would he do it? I mean, maybe, right? I mean, you know it's 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 hard to tell with him would I mean is he it lo- <laughs> seems like all indications are that he's he's look we know that he's looking for ways to to blunt the impact of the special prosecutor Bob Mueller. That's not surprising, Clinton did that, all right. You strategically you look for ways you know you're in a battle here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they did that whole uh, press uh, team shakeup. Uh, they brought in uh, Scaramucci. You know this is part of that kind of like gearing up for war, right? Uh, do you get rid of Sessions? I mean, I, it's possible. I mean. Do you fire the special prosecutor? That's possible too. It's not nothing is out of the realm of possibility with uh, with this president. And uh, you know the thing I see though is that what he's doing and what they often do is they watch us, right? They watch the folks on TV and you know him in particular to see how we react to these things. I mean, he floats these trial balloons on purpose, so he wants to see you know who gets riled up, which you know which way they break on the on the question. so you know, I imagine that this is all very fluid right now. Um, you know, the funny—I was kind of laughing earlier about a uh, Ted Cruz because they tried to get John Cornyn for FBI director. Remember that? And they oh, um, yeah. the president right, right. called him up and tried mm-hmm. to get him in there. And <coughs> Cornyn, of course, is the second-ranking Republican inside the Senate, and they wanted him for FBI director, and he he turned it down, politely, uh, politely, Um But uh, Cruz, they want to get for uh, Attorney General. Possibly so. Cruz, the junior senator, who uh, um, at least as of last year, not a lot of people in the Senate um, were big fans of, I could get true. the you know could get the bigger job right theoretically. And it just goes to show they haven't really thought this out. It, 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 these are all trial balloons right now, all gauging how we're reacting. Uh, yeah, uh, and it, it, the idea
1: that the president would uh, would fire his own attorney general is. Um, would be stunning but not all that not that surprising uh, given given what we've seen Um, let me ask you this isn't the fact doesn't it say something uh, that the fact that he's that he's so obsessed with this Russian investigation that he does want to get rid of Sessions he does want to get rid of Mueller Um, he is lawyering up he brought in another lawyer of the weekend Ty Cobb that Donald Trump is afraid of this Russian investigation, isn't he? I mean, does he have a feeling? He says it's just yeah. a witch hunt, but he must know that there's stuff there that they're going to find out that he doesn't want them to find out.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I I, I don't have a, a, a direct insight to into exactly what evidence Mueller has. Um, you know, here's the thing. Trump's own son, Trump Jr., gave us one of the biggest pieces of evidence that we've seen so far, which is that Uh, This, you know, the meeting with the Russian lawyer, Veselnitskaya. All right. Um, Thank you, Karin Demergin from The Washington Post, for properly uh, teaching me how to pronounce these (laughs) these names. I was was impressed. (laughs) I haven't even tried. So, yeah. Um, And uh, it's that meeting um, with that original email, Rob Goldstone telling him, saying, you know, look, we're going to get you dirt on Clinton. Provided by the Kremlin as part of their effort, their Ever effort to help to help Trump. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know, whether or not it 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 is collusion, there you know who knows. But it's clear that they let like, when Trump Jr. responded saying, "Yes, it's incredible." That's that is that's, huge. That's the intent, at least, to collusion. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. That's that's bigger than anything that we've. I I would argue it's bigger than anything that we've heard. In private so far, any of these, you know, alleged, you know, cl- uh, leaks of classified information, whatever, you know, that, that, that the president's always going after his son put out something in public, which is bigger than anything we've seen so far. And I'll tell right. you, for in, in the investigations, at least on the Hill, from what I've seen, it really reignited a Lot of fires around there and yeah. they've been burning.
1: Well, well, you and your colleagues at CNN have been doing a good job, uh, I, mu- I must say, um, <laughs> uh, on documenting the contacts and the meetings and the denials. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, um, and someone made this point about um, s- statement yesterday. Well, I only had four meetings and nothing really happened, and I wasn't there that long, da-da-da. yeah, but the point is. Four meetings. They've been saying for a year there were no meetings, and Donald right. Trump still says right. they're, they're, Kellyanne Conway, Sean Spicer, they're all out there saying no. This is totally bogus, right? There were no meetings to talk about, and now we know what we knew about Jeff Sessions and Michael Flynn, and now Jared Kushner, and then Donald Trump Jr. There were all kinds of meetings. Yeah, yeah. So, in, so in effect, yeah, Kushner undercut the Trumps. Yes. The Trump, uh, uh, you know, um, BS let <laughs> on me,
4: this meeting. Let me start out by giving a shout-out to our uh, CNN researcher who documents all this stuff and has just done incredible work, Marshall Cohen. Uh, and let me okay. tell you, Marshall is just a, no, an I saw absolute the thing. He
1: did a whole, docu- a spectacular. whole chronology of this. Yes.
4: Yeah. Just huge. Because there's so much, they fled the zone, right? And that's kind of—that's a media strategy, right? It's kind of like, you know, in the— when your opposing legal team or whatever says you want documents, we'll give you documents, yeah, yeah. and they, you know, 30, boxes, pages, right? right? You know, um, that strategy. So first off, Marshall Cohen, huge. I mean, just absolutely huge. All right, and uh, uh, this, and I think, I suspect what we're starting to see is everyone's starting to kind of CYA, uh, uh-huh. you know, cover mm-hmm. their own butts here. All right, and and you're going to get that right. There's a lot of speculation about where the uh, uh, the leak of that um, meeting, the initial leak of that meeting, to the uh, New York Times, um, how that got out. Um, you know, we saw Roger Stone himself, uh, a witness here, uh, apparently alleged that uh, Jared Kushner was the source of that. There's been some talk that maybe Manafort was the source of that. We don't know exactly where that came from, but I think what we're starting to get into and you, you, when you point out to the massive contradictions in the uh, public statements um, in this, I think you're starting to get into people getting into their own protective bubbles, all okay. right, and with their legal teams. Um, and I think we're going to see more of this. Remember, Jared Kushner unveiled another meeting, and not a huge meeting, but another meeting with Sergey Kislyak mm-hmm. uh, uh, in April 2016. So now we know four times that he's had these meetings. What um, do you, you've been writing about, um, and I wasn't
1: sure exactly the connection. Using Facebook for yeah, they're searching Facebook for yeah. further evidence of meetings or yeah. This is so? really
4: interesting. So D- Kushner, of course, was the director of the uh, the oversee uh, oversight of all, R- all the, the digital digital yeah. And the and the big theory out there that's been kind of you know floated among and uh, floating among Democratic operatives is that um you had this targeting of fake news stories. You know these stories out there that allege that. Um, you know, like uh, some FBI investigator was investigating Clinton's emails and then winds up dead in some massive murder suicide. You know, stories like that. They're not real. They're fake, totally false, but they pop up overnight and they just explode. All right. In, 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 and then, and the theory, at least among some Democratic operatives, is that uh, these were targeted. And um, you could, the way that works on Facebook is that you can buy. To boost a post, All right. So I could go on there and I could put this story up, and you know, go put like five hundred dollars behind it if I if I really wanted to. Hmm. So the theory that they're looking into. And do we, we
1: do that, Jamie?
4: We do what now? <laughs> do, you... do we put money up
1: to boost our Facebook posts?
3: Uh, no, it's all organic. That's Peeling right. back the curtain here on the
1: Bill Press Show, but it's all organic. All <laughs> right, I just, I was just wondering, he was talking about. This. We, we have in the past, we've done it in the past. Talked about this cheating here. I was just wondering if <laughs> I'm doing that. Well, and if not, why
3: not? <laughs> yeah, right. Let's go full Lance Armstrong.
4: <laughs> right. Well, so the interesting thing, and you know, we spent you know a couple, a month and a half or so working on this thing, and you know, we we had this debate internally. Right. It's, there's nothing illegal about buying. You know, yeah. to boost, you know, your your own r- reporting, whatever, um, where it would becomes a question is whether or not Russia was helping to boost that and whether there are operatives that were doing that. And so we know that Mark Warner, um, the leader of the Senate, uh, one of the de- the Democratic leader of the Senate intelligence investigation, has brought this up numerous times. Hmm. He's interested in it. He took a trip out to Facebook about a month ago and talked with them about it. They want answers out of Facebook. On the House side, uh, they're bringing in Brad Parscale, who was the Trump campaign digital director. Uh, They want to hear from him on this. Now, I should tell you that from everyone that we've talked to in the Trump campaign digital operation, they deny this happened. They said never happened. Okay, nothing like this ever happened. And you know, we don't know the answer. There's nothing conclusive at this point. But what I can tell you is, is that the Trump campaign, uh, the staff. and the House and Senate investigators both want Facebook to give up this information if it is there. Hmm. They want them to open the books and show that. And we don't have a definite answer from but Facebook. this right is now. a
1: whole new, uh, uh, you know, direction here that this investigation could go in. And again, yeah. Jared Kushner is right in the middle of it.
4: It, it Jared Kushner, director of the oversight of the digital operation for the entire campaign. Him and uh, Brad Parscale. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, so what difference um is how how do you read uh the impact of uh, Anthony Scarmucci on the White House communications uh, <laughs> uh what so what changes are we going to see or, or?
4: um <laughs> maybe a little less a uh, little less hemming and hawing at the uh, at the uh, podium right uh, during these daily briefings I mean, he did say yesterday they were going to turn the cameras back on. So, you know, that's, right. that's something. So good for him for that. There's yeah. all that reporting out there that. Uh, Why
1: did uh, Sean Spicer turn them off? Um, well,
3: didn't well, Donald Trump turn them off? Yeah. Because he didn't want to look at Sean Spicer yeah. in ill fitting suits? Oh. Uh, but now that Scaramucci oh, has oh, the oh, hair oh, and makeup, well, he should also, be okay, right?
1: There's also the theory that uh, <laughs> Sean Spicer turned them off because he didn't want the president watching them. And criticizing his performance. It could go both ways. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But anyhow, it was it was crazy to to shut him down. And Scaramucci has said cameras are back. He tweeted that out yesterday. So I
4: right. mean, you know, at some point you kind of wonder with so so many personnel changes. Every new administration always has some level of turnover pretty early on, whatever <laughs> you know. But like this kind of like the way they operate this, and so there, yeah. it just seems like the flavor of the month. Right. And I don't know. Like I mean, does he last? You know, I mean, Spicer was on the ropes for a while. You see Bannon and Priebus. Everyone's talking about Priebus might be gone pretty soon. Um, you know, everyone's up, everyone's down. You have these you know, competing factions within the in the White House. It's not like two or three. It's I think Maggie Haverman's pointed out there's like six different factions and fighting it, you know, fighting it out inside there. And I mean, it's chaos. It's, it's almost every
1: man uh, and woman for himself or herself. Absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah.
3: I don't think this justifies a breaking news alert, but Uh this is some new news. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci on Hugh Hewitt's radio program just a few minutes ago said it's pretty apparent that Trump wants Sessions gone. So that's from the comms director of the White House nearly affirming that Trump is considering kicking Sessions out of the job.
1: Um, I think that just sort of reaffirms what we've been talking about, right? Yeah. That, and, and and also from Donald Trump's tweets this morning uh, uh, calling him very weak and yesterday calling him beleaguered. I think
4: which is right, it's pretty apparent Trump wants him out. We had, you okay, so kids, there are two people that came out of Jeff Sessions' world and right into the top of the White House, into Trump's inner circle, um, Rick Dearborn and Stephen Miller. I wonder, I wonder what they think about this. Do they think I mean, Sessions brought them up, all right? And you know, and you know the, the adage, right? You dance with the one that brung you. Yeah. All right? I wonder what they feel about this. I really do. I'm curious what they whether they think Sessions is beleaguered and weak.
1: Um, well, um, I, I think maybe that their primary concern is uh, that they don't want to lose their job, and so they maybe distance themselves maybe. from Sessions and reaffirm their loyalty to Trump.
4: Possible. It's, you know, I, I mean— yeah.
1: Loyalty is, that's, that's the one thing, that that's the coin of the realm for Donald Trump. Again, back to the Boy Scouts yesterday, Boy Scouts, trustworthy, <laughs> loyal, brave, clean, reverent, or whatever. I used to know those when I was a Boy Scout. Uh, here's Donald Trump saying, I need more of that. A
0: scout is trustworthy, loyal. We could use some more loyalty, I will tell you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> loyalty to me. Not... <laughs> Not loyalty to the Constitution or not loyalty to the laws of the land, right? No, loyalty to me—that's what I, that's
4: what I demand, right? Was the uh, uh, weevilos? We'll, we'll be loyal Scouts. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be a Cub Scout. Oh, I did not make it to Boy Scouts though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got a story there, Tom? Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs>
1: All right. So, speaking of loyalty. Uh, the president is also going to. It's a test of loyalty. He says today, hmm. uh, you're over there. In, you're over there in the Congress on what Republican senators do. Yesterday, oh, yeah. uh, he he uh, at the White House um, was not too kind to the Republican senators. Basically, he did say they're just they haven't done their job yet. So
0: far, Senate Republicans have not done their job in ending the Obamacare nightmare. <laughs> they now have a chance, however. To hopefully, hopefully fix what has been so badly broken for such a long time.
1: So my call today is that uh, when the dust settles, that Mitch McConnell is going to get 50 votes at least.
4: Yeah, to on, proceed on the motion. Yeah, on the motion to proceed, which opens the debate on the on this health care, um, the, whatever the latest iteration of the health care bill is. Is that your read um, as well? Yeah. I mean, and and the fact that John McCain is coming back for this. Now, I'll tell you something interesting. We, Jeremy, our um, our, mm-hmm. our defense reporter, great yeah. great guy, um, came over from Politico. Um, great reporter, really dialed in on this stuff. He made yeah. a great point last night. And he said that um, you know it's not just that; it's also the defense authorization bill that's coming up today, and that's that's McCain's baby. Okay, he's so, chair of Armed Services. Exactly. Right? So so he's
1: coming it, back for both.
4: Yeah. You know, it helps. It helps McConnell immensely to have McCain back. Um, Dramatic, dramatic showdowns today, all over the place. I know, I know,
1: indeed. Uh, And it's going to be a bad vote for the American people, but I do think they'll vote to proceed, which means they're going to end up with a pretty crappy healthcare bill, and Donald Trump will sign it, whatever it is. Hey, Tom, great to catch up with you in such at such a busy, busy time. we're going to go over to NBC next, I'm sorry, with Alex oh, seitz oh, Here we are. We love them all. We love nice. them all. is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing, if you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill
1: Press Show. Donald Trump lashes out and attacks his own attorney general. Yep, Jeff Sessions. Getting hit again today by the Donald Trump tweets. Donald Trump calling him very weak. Yesterday calling him beleaguered. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Tuesday, July twenty-five. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show. Great to see you. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for checking in. And we got lots, so much news on so many fronts today. Uh, so much to talk about uh, that it's really good to have you with us and have you part of the conversation. Uh, the big vote on health care will be today. The initial vote, which is whether or not to open up debate on the Senate floor. Uh, Of course, that debate, however it goes, will lead to some kind of a health care bill which you know uh, is not going to be good for the American people coming out of the Senate. That's why uh, the move for those of us progressive, those of us who appreciate uh, what Obamacare has provided for the American people, the millions and millions and millions of Americans who now have health insurance for the first time ever, And don't want to see that taken away. Hope that the Senate will vote not to proceed, but instead uh, to sit down with Republicans, sit down with Democrats and come up with a plan to fix Obamacare uh, and not end it or not repeal it. Uh, But it looks like with John McCain coming back today, Mitch McConnell will get his votes. That's one front we're talking about. Jared Kushner testifying yesterday in private. Will he testify in public? I was down there at the White House when he came out and gave his brief statement at the White House yesterday. And Democrats, Democrats coming out with their own plan to help the American people, which they're calling a better deal. All of that we'll talk about, but... First, this is the full court press. Jamie with the big stories of the day.
3: Just a couple of other stories for you on this Tuesday morning. We begin. Uh, hey, Bill, you remember yes. the uh, original death of the GOP health care bill was caused by three women. That's three oh. female senators, right?
1: Susan Collins, Shelley Moore Capito, and uh, Lisa Murkowski. Lisa
3: Murkowski, right? Yes. So uh, there was one a Texas congressman that was pretty upset about this. In fact, he made it clear that it was the women's fault that the bill has still yet to succeed. That's uh, Rep Blake Farenthold from Texas, not to be confused with Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist David Farenthold. Here is what Blake Farenthold told a Corpus Christi radio station.
2: The the fact that the Senate does not have the
3: courage to do some of the things that Every Republican in the Senate promised
2: to do is just absolutely repugnant to me. Some of the people that are opposed to this, there are some female senators from the Northeast. If it was a guy from
3: South Texas, I might ask him to step outside and settle this Aaron Burr style.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, a duel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very, very funny. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. And oh,
3: yeah. uh, just to be clear, Susan Collins is the only senator from the Northeast, so uh, I wouldn't yeah. say West Virginia or Alaska or anywhere I didn't, near that.
1: I, I never thought of Alaska as a New England state, but um, yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, Our next story here, I was hoping uh, our friend Alex Seiswold would be here in time for me to read this one. We'll have to do it without him. He'll be here shortly. Uh, Where the hell is he? He's on his way. Uh, MSNBC has made history for the first time. They have spent five consecutive weekdays as the most watched cable network in primetime. That is the 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern slot. It's a big deal for MSNBC. Fox News took second place for the week. And Rachel Maddow just continuing her domination at the 9 p.m. hour. In fact, she was the second most watched program of all of cable last week. Oh, man. With the exception of uh, WWE, with the exception of wrestling. So only wrestling can tear people away from Rachel Maddow's show. Whoa. 9 good p.m., for Rachel. MSNBC. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, she's great. She just keeps getting better and better, and her audience gets bigger and bigger. And uh, good for her. Uh, we'll still celebrate that with Alex Icewell. Um, you sure he's on his way? He's on his way. He's on his way. Okay.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online, this
1: is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say on a Tuesday, July 25? Uh, Welcome, folks. Good to see you today, and welcome to the Bill Press Show. We are here in our nation's capital. It's a very, very busy time in Washington, D.C. Lots going on today with a big vote on health care. Yesterday, Jared Kushner testifying in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee in private, or meeting at least with the staff in private, sort of a preliminary shakedown. Uh, and questions and answers, uh, preparing him for what will be eventually, we believe, public testimony in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Democrats yesterday unveiling their plan. They're calling a better deal for what their priorities and what they will do if and when they take over in 2018, the Senate uh, and the House. And Donald Trump on the attack against his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, he did it again yesterday, he did it and he did it yesterday, he did it again today and there're even floating names of possible successors to Jeff Sessions including Rudy Giuliani, former New York mayor, and Ted Cruz, senator from Texas. Uh, all of that we're going to uh, be talking about, but we did ask you a little bit earlier Given all the um, Donald Trump's open attacks on his own attorney general, uh, whether you believe that um, Donald Trump will fire Jeff Sessions or whether Jeff Sessions should just do the right thing and quit, Jamie? Polls still up
3: on our Twitter at BP Show, on Twitter at BP Show. Will Donald Trump fire attorney general Jeff Sessions? 64% of you say yes. 7% of you say no. 29% 29% say Sessions will resign first. Ha ha. Put your vote in if you haven't already. At BP Show. Uh, how do you do it? Just uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. It's right up there, one of our recent tweets. Make sure you're following us. As All well. right. All right. There you go.
1: Thank you, Jamie. And uh, as we uh, we warned you that Alex Seitzwald might be on his way here. He's, he's arrived, and it's always good to see Alex's political report, of course for NBC News. How are you doing? Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me back. It's good to see you. Yeah, um, uh, Obamacare repeal always. vote
5: traffic is uh, brutal out there. Oh, is that right? The yeah. repeal traffic today? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, the Republican lawmakers leaving or, or coming. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a mess. All they, right, they, so, they don't even uh, know what they're doing. We so.
1: have so much to talk about. I mean, so, you know, you follow uh, Donald Trump on Twitter, as I do, and my phone. <laughs> uh, by the, We started the show an hour ago, and in that one hour, he had tweeted, There were seven tweets, half of them attacking his attorney general uh, as very weak uh, and attacking Jeff Sessions because he has not begun any—he's not conducting any investigation of Hillary Clinton and all of her crimes. The Hillary crimes, yeah. The Hillary crimes, Yeah, I feel
5: like uh, Donald Trump's tweets are a lot of our alarm clocks uh, these days. But, I mean, this is unbelievable. The the president of the United States openly attacking not only in a New York Times interview last week but now on Twitter— his own attorney general for a thing that was investigated by the FBI by James Comey, cleared, uh, and now accusing her. But it, you know, there's been reporting that he did offer his resignation and Trump didn't accept it. So he's just leaving him kind of twisting out in the wind like
1: that. I've, I've never seen anything like it. And it's you know, it's his administration, right? It's it's it's, it's, it's his attorney general. This is not his political enemy. In fact, he's the only senator to endorse him. Right, I mean, there would be no Donald Trump without a Jeff Sessions,
5: I I really believe that. When Trump came onto the political scene, he had ideas, but there was no kind of ideological framework to fit it into, and Jeff Sessions really provided that. He also provided him some of his key aides, uh, like Stephen Miller, the speechwriter. Steve Bannon came to Donald Trump in part through Jeff Sessions. Uh, you know, the immigration rhetoric, the 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 Muslim ban kind of stuff. A lot of that came from Jeff Sessions, who really gave Donald Trump a lot of credibility, introduced him to a lot of people.
1: And now Trump is, is totally. Yeah. At a time, we remember when people were saying Donald Trump is not a Republican, he's not a conservative, he has zero credentials in that area. Here you got Mr. Conservative Republican from the South, Jeff Sessions, standing right by him saying, you know, I- I'm with this guy. That helped. Trump immensely
5: right, and and by the way, there's this whole kind of crazy sideshow going on to replace Jeff Sessions in the Senate in Alabama. There's a Republican primary there. Oh, oh, yeah, and they're all competing over who can be more like Donald Trump, who Donald Trump likes more. Trump hasn't said anything; he hasn't endorsed anyone in this race. But the ads are all the Republicans attacking each other for not being loyal enough to Donald Trump. So at the same time that he's throwing. His attorney general under the bus. The guys running to replace his attorney general in the Senate are, you know, trying to be as as loyal to the president as possible. Well, there's
1: also this sideshow going on of who's going to replace who would replace Jeff Sessions right. in the White House yesterday, floating the name of Rudy Giuliani and then Ted Cruz. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, is this a head fake? Is this
5: for real? It's always impossible to tell. Rudy Giuliani was floated. Uh, for originally for the attorney for, general, yes, right. And I think they they're. I think Trump is good at setting a bar that is so low or so high, depending on how you look at it. That when he ends up appointing Jeff Sessions, people were relieved by that, even though you know if maybe he hadn't floated Rudy Giuliani, they would have been right. a little bit more scared of that. I have no idea. I don't know what his end game here is. I don't know if he knows what his end game is here.
1: Well, as you point out, I mean, first of all, we know that he was not happy because Jeff Sessions recused himself from anything to do with the Russian investigation, allegedly. I think Jeff Sessions already violated his own rule, but obviously Donald Trump doesn't. Uh, At any rate, so we knew that, but then, as you point out, last week in the New York Times interview, he said, if I had known he was going to do that, I never would have appointed him in the first place, and he should have told me ahead of time, Uh, number one. Yesterday, he called him the beleaguered attorney general, and this morning, he just says, very weak. Uh, Attorney General, so he he's not letting down on this. I mean, he if anything, he keeps ratcheting it up every day. Uh, it's hard to read the mind of Donald Trump, but it certainly looks like he wants to get rid of him. Either he wants to get rid of him,
5: w- that seems like the obvious thing. But again, like the, there has been this reporting that Jeff Sessions has offered to resign and that Trump has not yeah, accepted. Right. So the only conclusion that I can come to is that Trump would rather have him in his own cabinet as a foil. Just like he has the failing New York Times and the Amazon Washington Post and whatever, to blame all of his problems on someone else, not him. It's Jeff Sessions' fault for not recusing himself. That's why this whole fake Russia investigation exists. Uh, and if and if Jeff Sessions had just been better, then none of this would have happened. That's that's the only thing that makes but sense. But he to me.
1: also clearly would like to fire Robert Mueller as well. I, right? Yes,
5: I think that is for sure. Uh, but I think he knows that. Mm-hmm. He can't, or, I mean, if he could, it would be breaking – he's crossed so many lines already, but it would be (laughs) – I know. It would be crossing a a new line, Uh, and I I have to imagine that he's gotten warnings, you know, whether explicitly or uh, not in so many words, from Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and some of the folks on the Hill saying, you know, if you do that, it's going to be really bad for us, for our guys – in November of next year and for passing any kind of legislation you want. I I think Trump desperately wants some win to put on the board. That's why he's been, uh, um, amongst his tweets this morning, also were some hitting Republicans for not repealing Obamacare. Uh, So I think he desperately wants a win, and until he gets it, he's just going to lash out at all of his perceived enemies that he blames for not getting him there.
1: Well, uh, he may get somewhat of a win today uh, with... uh John McCain, whom, of course, he trashed during the campaign right? Uh, because he was a prisoner of war. I don't like prisoners of war, right? So he's not a hero, uh, he said during the campaign. Today, he called him a hero because he's going to come back to vote to repeal Obamacare. Right. Well, he's going to vote to at least open debate uh, on repealing Obamacare. So now he's John McCain. Now he's... Uh, John McCain is Donald Trump's hero.
5: For now. Give it give it 24 hours. We'll see depending on what John McCain does. Maybe he'll on the go, final vote. Yeah, maybe he'll go back to, to not being a hero. We don't uh, know.
1: Yeah, but you've been doing some interesting reporting on um, Trump voters maybe waking up to the fact that, uh-oh, I'm going to lose my health insurance? Yeah, I was uh, this
5: weekend at a clinic in the far southwest corner of Virginia. This is coal country. It's Seven-hour drive from D.C. Oh Jesus! You know, very close to the seven hours, and you're still in Virginia. You're still in Virginia. Yep. I think seven hours, you'd be in Florida. (laughs) I thought so too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, it's it's sandwiched between Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia. It's a two and a half hour drive to the closest county that Hillary Clinton won. So this is deep, deep Trump country. Uh, Trump won the county that I was in by eighty percent, and it's uh, a very poor. Uh, the the coal jobs are totally gone. This is exactly the kinds of people, the American carnage that Trump mm-hmm, talked about. Mm-hmm. And yet there is this free clinic that they set up every year. They treat 2,500 people in one weekend because there's no health care. There's, there's no jobs. Uh, and so this I this is
1: Appalachia, this right? This is
5: real Appalachia. In fact, the town of Appalachia was just down the road from oh, no. from where yeah. I was. Uh, I was in the same county. And I was with uh, Ralph Northam, who's running for governor in Virginia. He's a doctor, and he was volunteering at this <laughs> clinic. And it was fascinating talking to these people. Uh, a lot of them like Donald Trump, but they just feel very cynical about politics in general. And even him, they, they liked him. He said he was going to do good things, but they have very little hope that he will. And on this Obamacare appeal thing, they I've talked to several people who are on uh, the Affordable Care Act who like it. Medicaid is pretty restrictive in Virginia. They didn't expand it, so there there aren't a lot of people that I talked to who were benefiting from that. But they don't really care. They just want things to get better. And all the fighting and the you know which version of the Affordable Care Act repeal is going to pass and whether Trump gets a win or not, they don't care about any of that. They like the guy who sets up this clinic every year, and they don't really care about any of the politicians aside from that.
1: Right. Um, and it's, there has been some other reporting too on. Um, I mean, there's no doubt, right, that if it's 22 or 23 million people that are going to lose their health insurance over the next decade, a lot of those are going to be in red states. A lot of those are going to be Donald Trump voters, right? Yep. At what time do they, at what point do they wake up and say, whoa, wait a minute? Uh, if, if I forget, it was the Times or the Post the other day that had the story that these people were all for repeal until they realized- Wait a minute. <laughs> what repeal meant. Right,
5: right. Yeah. And uh, two weeks ago, I was in uh, Providence, Rhode Island for the National Governors Association. Yes. Yeah. And I talked to uh, several red state governors, Asa Hutchinson, Arkansas, who they did expand Medicaid. And, and they, they made exactly this point. They said the, the people who are going to be hurt by this are the people who elected us, the people who, who voted for us. These are the when we think of, you know, who our base is, who Trump voters are. These are the people who are going to be thrown off of the the Medicaid expansion, and it's, and governors, you know, they have a different view on things. They tend to be a little bit less partisan, a little bit more pragmatic than the the
1: people up on the hill. Yeah, I mean, this gets me back to John McCain. If you if there's any state, and I haven't I've done the research, but any state, I would imagine, where per capita, right, the number of people on Medicaid or Medicare, right, Arizona's got to be way way up there. Yeah. And yeah. McCain would actually vote for a bill that's going to rip these, rip their health care away from these people. I mean, it's it's there are a lot of Republican senators, right, who've got to be um, torn about that.
5: Yeah, and 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 the the governor of Arizona is one of those governors who has said this is not a good idea or expressed some skepticism. I they just they spent seven years running on repealing Obamacare. They finally have complete control. Of government, you know, this happens maybe once in a generation for a party. It's a very Mm -hmm. rare window that you have to try to advance your agenda, and I they they are trying to advance a policy goal, or excuse me, a political goal. And I don't think they are really thinking about or caring about the policy implications of it. They they want to repeal it, and all of the people who will be hurt seems to be secondary.
1: Uh, We will, Alex, and I will have a chance with you. Uh, to talk more about health care with Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal from uh, Washington State, who's going to be joining us uh, uh, in just a few uh, minutes here. She's right in the middle of the battle over there, a member of the Budget Committee, too, uh, in the House. You mentioned, just by the way, that you were in uh, down wherever in, <laughs> in this remote uh, corner of Virginia with Ralph Northam, uh, the Democratic candidate for governor. What's the governor's race look like in uh, Virginia? Yeah, this is probably the most important election of this
5: year. It hasn't gotten as much attention as I think it probably. Uh, I'm surprised deserves. it hasn't. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Get
1: early. It's July, but
5: still. right. But we're still, you know, we're <laughs> coming into the the closing stretch. It's in November, um, and and these New Jersey and Virginia, you know, have elections right after the presidential, and they tend to be fairly predictive about what happens in the the midterm election a year after that. Um, the New Jersey one is basically a done deal. The Democrat will will mm-hmm. almost certainly win there. Uh, Virginia. Ralph Northam is definitely ahead. Uh, he had a tough primary against Tom Periello, the former congressman, who kind of ran on a more mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. message. Uh, but the party seems to have more or less united. Northam is a, a doctor. As I said, he's a pediatrician. He's the lieutenant governor now under Terry McAuliffe. Uh, so the entire party kind of got behind Ralph Northam early. And um, he's he's kind of a, a, a southern guy. He has a drawl. He's a little bit more moderate, but he's moved... Uh, progressive direction over the the primary and uh, he's definitely ahead of ed gillespie who's the republican former republican national committee chairman very much an establishment guy and we all thought the democratic primary was going to be the close one but it turned out that it was gillespie's primary he almost lost to this guy Corey stewart who is trump's campaign yeah. manager uh in the state who ran essentially on a pro-confederate message i'm not even exaggerating there right. uh so so i think that the question is can the kind of anti-Trump sentiment, uh, is that enough to get Democratic voters to the polls and to overcome the divisions inside the Republican Party? I would put, you know, my, if, I, if I had to choose which side to be on, I would rather be on Northam's side, but it's it's going to be tight.
1: Uh, how close is Gillespie running to Donald Trump?
5: He is trying to toe a very awkward line there. <laughs> he correct. is not a Trump voter. I mean if you if you look at his profile he would no. be a quintessential never a, Trump guy. He
1: is a classic Washington establishment politician.
5: He exactly, he is a you know the country club uh, yeah. a, a, a yeah. Republican guy. But after I, I, this, I
1: must confess, I have played golf with him at his country club. <laughs> <laughs>
5: perfect, perfect,
1: yeah, exactly. Back in those crossfire days, but, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe
5: you ended up in a back room where that was kind of smoky <laughs> and dark. You know, uh, that's his. That's his milieu. Uh, but after that brush with death in the Republican primary, and you know, surveying the landscape, those are the energized voters right now. Uh, the Trump voters, not the country club Republican type. Yeah, so he's. Right. In the past couple of weeks, he's been talking more about Donald Trump and saying he wants to work with Donald Trump uh, and saying that Ralph Northam, who called Trump a narcissistic maniac during the primary, uh, wouldn't be able to work with Donald Trump. So that's that's his way of talking about Trump is saying, you know, I want to work with the White House. And Virginia is a, a big federal state, you know, a lot of military jobs there, a lot of federal jobs there. But uh, he he can't really take either side. I don't think anyone believes him if he says that he's, you know, a fan of president trump so he's just kind of muddling through the the trump question
1: right um it's um and virginia is how would you classify purple today or is it light blue or what's it it's hard yeah it's hard to believe that the the cradle of the confederacy is is blue but i mean democratic governor two democratic senators and i forget what the congressional delegation is but uh
5: yeah, uh, quite it, a few Democrats. Yeah, right. Two two Democratic senators. The
1: state legislature, no. The state but. legislature
5: is not correct. It's heavily gerrymandered. That's that's part of it. But yeah, um, and the state, most of the statewide, I believe all the statewide offices, in fact, like yeah. attorney yeah. general are, are democratic too. Uh, Hillary Clinton held it pretty easily uh, last year. Tim Kaine, as the VP, helped with that. Obama won it twice. So yeah, it's it's still purple. <clears throat> Uh, but it's it is uh it, it's turning slightly blue, and that's largely because of you know Northern Virginia and the, the urban. Right. It's not these places like where I no, was. Where uh, yeah. What is um
1: what what are some of the other races that you are uh, that, that that you th- you think are really worth watching in in uh, this year, twenty seventeen? Well, uh, there's not a
5: lot this year. The the Virginia's governor race is, is what's left. That's a big one. New Jersey, uh, you know. It it looks yeah. essentially like a cleanup job. For and a congressional races
1: are behind us, I guess, right? The for, specials, for
5: the- right? Except for that uh that um Alabama <laughs> special election, which is just a Republican primary. But that is a that's a fun race. Uh, just yesterday, Mo Brooks, the congressman mm-hmm. who's in that race, he was one of the guys who was on the baseball field that was uh, shot up, and he released an ad using the shooting of a question about gun control that was asked him, you know, within a couple of hours of the shooting. And he said, no, we got to defend our Second Amendment rights. They, they, they turned that into an ad. Uh, and Steve Scalise, you know, who was shot, who was still in the hospital, yeah. his spokesperson came out saying, you know, essentially that was that was inappropriate. So was his own party guy saying that. But that just speaks to the where that race is now. They've all spoken about Trump in this kind of divine terms. Luther Strange, who's the incumbent who was appointed to uh, fill the seat temporarily, called Trump um, a biblical miracle. <laughs> uh, Mo, Mo Brooks, the congressman, said he'd read the King James the new Bible. New Moses
1: is to lead us to the promised land. Is that, is that it?
5: Basically, yeah. Uh, uh, Mo Brooks, the, the congressman, said he would filibuster on the Senate floor by reading the King James Bible into the record until they build the wall. And uh, the third candidate in the race is this guy Roy Moore, who you oh might Roy remember. Moore
1: oh uh, Ten Commandments Roy Moore exactly yeah, yeah. who's been oh, I've who's, debated him uh, so, we had we we got it got really ugly on C span check that out sometime
5: I I bet I would love to watch that yeah uh, yeah he the guy who was thrown out of office as the chief justice of the Supreme yeah, Court yeah twice not 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 once but twice yes yes uh, he's the third candidate in the race and he's actually ahead in most of the polls so get out he's the guy Roy? to beat right now
1: yeah. <laughs> so what happens when you have a Republican primary in Alabama? Uh, Mo Brooks and Luther Strange. is Luther Strange running for the seat. He is running for the seat. Yeah. yeah so he's yeah. the he's the he, kind he's of a the st- senator.
5: He's the senator. He's the the, the establishment pick. The, this is the Mitch McConnell guy. Is the one who is saying that Donald Trump is a biblical miracle, uh, and all of his ads are him. You know, at the gun range shooting guns, and uh, that he he has a bill to lower taxes on silencers for guns. Oh. Well, that's important. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we can all agree that's the most important issue facing America. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's his big campaign uh, platform speech. I mean, it's uh, I, I've talked to some Republicans in Alabama who are even like, the, you know, th- this is like what a Hollywood caricature of Southerners mm-hmm. are like. We like our God, guns, yeah. Trump. Yeah. and Trump. They, and they even think it's, it's
1: pandering and gross. Well, um, so Alex Seitzold with us from NBC News here again. Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jai Paul is going to be joining us uh, at the break. Yes, James. This is a Blue Press
2: show. Breaking news. Breaking update. news.
3: We have two additional Donald Trump tweets. Uh, no, how many the Last ten minutes. Take oh my god. We're at nine Wasn't this tweets. Battery ever run down? <laughs> nine tweets this morning. The first tweet ten minutes ago reads: "Working on major trade deal with the United Kingdom could be very big and exciting. Jobs in all caps. The EU is very protectionist with the U.S. Stop in all caps. I, I don't understand the end of that." Eight minutes ago, this will be a very interesting day for healthcare. The Dems are obstructionists, but the Republicans can have a great victory for the people. That's Donald Trump on Twitter this morning. That's the
1: ninth tweet this morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> go to the gym, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Get off the phone. All right, now, Alex, you've spent a lot of time, uh, and we've talked a lot about. Uh, you've spent a lot of time covering uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 2015 and 2016. A guy you know uh, very well. Uh, of whom I know well. The Hill uh, had a little article a couple of days ago that Bernie is, um, according to sources, considering seriously considering another run. What do you hear? I, I hear that. I mean, he was in Iowa two weeks ago. I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Uh, yeah, if you're from Vermont, you don't <laughs> go to Iowa, you know... By yes, accident, by accident, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, May,
5: maybe New Hampshire, but right, uh, yeah, right. uh, and it and it was his first trip back to Iowa. He it was to speak to a group that brought him to Iowa in the fall of 2014, uh, and really helped him lay the groundwork for 2020. And the and they you know the group was teasing this, and I think if you're Bernie Sanders, frankly you'd be crazy not to think about running for president. You're the most popular politician in America, or at least one of them, according to a lot of polls. You have this huge base of fired up people. Uh, the, the Democratic Party is fractured and you have a, you know, a real corner of it. Um, I don't know, you know, the the, the the age issue is something that's uncomfortable to talk about, but it's a, it's a real thing. And, uh, I, but I it was a real thing
1: the last time.
5: Yeah, and he'll be four uh, years so older. So you could
1: say, yeah, he'll be four years older, so maybe it's more of a thing this time. On the other hand... Some people feel that he kind of abolished or, you know, got rid of the age phobia, if you will, or whatever, the last time by running as old as he, being the oldest person, I think, to run for president.
5: Yeah. And as someone who chased him around uh, the country, I can attest that that man has an incredible amount of energy. I mean, I I do not know how he does it. Um, But regardless of whether he ends up, you know, actually contesting the Iowa caucuses or are going all the way to the nomination. uh, I think he absolutely knows what he's doing in making it look like he's going to run. And even if he doesn't run, he can play an enormous role as a kingmaker, as a shaper of the debate, uh, exerting the kind of leverage that he has been able to continue exerting over the primary since his presidential run. And he knows better than anyone that as soon as you say, I'm not running for president. It's all over. The cameras go away. The people stop paying attention to you. And you go back to being one of 100 uh, members of the Senate. So I, I think he is absolutely he, – he's running until he's not running. And,
1: so. and he's certainly as committed as he ever was to keeping his ideas out there to, you know, that we ought to be talking about, $15 minimum wage that we ought to be talking about. Single payer healthcare. We ought to have Medicare or Medicare for all, right? College tuition, free college tuition for every American. So, so he doesn't want those issues to go away, and one of the ways to keep those issues out there, I would imagine, is to keep. And he's also endorsing candidates, correct? right? Yeah, I mean, and and he's and he's winning on a lot of those issues. Yeah, the
5: the, the party is adopting a lot of. Those. I was just yesterday. I was out in uh, Berryville, Virginia. We were there in for, Berryville. Right. Yeah, for this this big messaging rollout, yeah. and. Uh, the, the $15 minimum wage was on there, but it, more generally, the rhetoric in which Chuck Schumer Nancy Pelosi, Mark Warner, you know, the, all of these lo- lawmakers on stage were talking, felt very Bernie Sandersish. It was a, a populist message. It was about how the corporations have too much power and they're you know screwing the little guy in the middle class, and we need to take them head on. That is very different from what Hillary Clinton said. Last year, uh, and it's it's not just Sanders; it's also Trump, and it's Elizabeth Warren and others. But you know, if you're him, I think you got to look at that and say full steam ahead.
1: It's a better deal that's that we offer. That's what Democrats are saying. Uh, one uh, hardworking, energetic, uh, great Democrat from Congress, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal from Washington State's seventh congressional district. Joins us, Alex Seitzwald, staying here as a friend of Bill, and all of you friends of Bill, stay tuned as well. But we quick break right back.
0: But do you remember that incredible night with the maps? And the Republicans are red, and the Democrats are blue, and that map was so red it was unbelievable, and they didn't know what to say.
2: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: How about it? You bet it is. uh, Boy, but it was a busy day here at The uh, Bill Press Show. Busy day in Washington, D.C., both at the White House and uh, here uh, on Capitol Hill in the United States Congress. Where the senators are going to line up this afternoon after Republicans hold a caucus meeting to try to get their act together. Uh, They're going to prance out to the Senate floor and take that procedural vote on whether or not to open debate on health care legislation. Donald Trump telling him, basically, you'd better do it or else uh, and or else I'll find somebody to run against you. Uh, Donald Trump also tweeting this morning madly most of his tweets uh, attacks against uh, his uh, number one political enemy at the present time, who happens to be his attorney general. (laughs) Go figure. Uh, We're coming to you today from our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America, the good men and women of the Laborers Union under President Terry O'Sullivan. Uh, laying the foundation uh, for uh, many of the new great buildings here uh, that you see, uh, construction sites all over the country. For more information, they are building, helping build a better America. That's their website: Lyuna Builds America, L I U N A Builds America, Alex Seitzwald from NBC News, political reporter, uh, in studio with us. We'll be joined shortly by Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jayapal. Uh, so. Alex, the president is off to Ohio tonight, Uh, strategically uh, an important state. It sure is. Uh, Interesting also, uh, having carried Ohio, though, um, he has a governor in Ohio who has been maybe the number one uh, critic of the Republican health care plan.
5: Yeah, from the Republican side, John Kasich, who we all know uh, from the presidential race, uh, speaking like a lot of these other Republican governors in, you know, saying I depend on Medicaid dollars and the expansion uh, to balance my budget and most importantly to provide care for my people and if you repeal it and replace it, I'm going to lose all of that and he's been very outspoken. Uh, when I was at the, the governor's convention two weeks ago, Mike Pence was there, he gave a big speech and he called out John Kasich by name, even though Kasich was not attending the event and that was seen as a uh, kind of a no-no among the, the other governors there who, who didn't appreciate, and, and it turned out to be false, what, what uh, the vice president was it's saying. Uh, about Ohio. About yeah. Ohio. About, but, but he said there was all these people waiting uh, for, for services that they couldn't get, and it, it turned out to be not true. Uh, but yeah, it would be very interesting to see that dynamic, uh, you know, whether Kasich is on the stage with him and, and what the body language is there, because they are certainly from opposite wings of the party.
1: So, uh, and of course, as we mentioned, the debate over health care intensifies today with a vote in the Senate, whether or not to proceed uh, and take a vote on the uh, first, starting with the House bill, the bill that passed the House, which, according to the Congressional Budget Office, would take health care away from some 23 million Americans. Right in the middle of that battle, our good friend from the Washington State and Washington's 7th Congressional District, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, Jayapal here in studio with us. Congresswoman, it's good to see you. It's
6: good to see you too, Bill. Thanks
1: for coming in. Thanks You've been for busy. Having I saw we you at the DNC the other night. I saw you at CNN. <laughs> I mean, yeah, They're all over I the... saw
6: you at those places too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we're, we're, I don't know. We're, we're both uh, just. It's an important time to be out there, it right? It really is. Yeah. yeah. So what do you expect to see out of the Senate today? On this
6: you know, I've been thing? racking my brain to figure out how they get the votes for this thing in any form um, that exists currently. I know they're working on something else. John McCain is back, so that made me worried, thinking maybe this is the secret plan. You know, I keep hearing that Mitch McConnell is the master strategist, and so I keep waiting for that uh, rabbit to be pulled out of the hat. But I I don't see it. I don't see Capito necessarily, you know, bowing to the pressure. Um, obviously, Trump has been out there putting his, his thumb on the scale trying to intimidate people. But I'm not hearing that people are feeling intimidated. Maybe he pulls out a motion to proceed. I'm not really sure. But right now, it looks like you know, we're, we're all working hard to make sure it's another failure. But um, I think they're in a bind. I think they're in a real bind because the more they move to the left, the more they lose conservatives, the more they move to the right, the more they lose the moderates. They've got a big issue with Medicaid. I mean, Medicaid is a massive program, and the idea that somehow it only funds, you know, poor people or black and brown people mm, is just mm. totally wrong. I mean, rural states, urban states um, or urban districts – As well as, you know, one in four births are Medicaid births, 62% of seniors in nursing homes, 60% of disabled kids. I mean, you're really going to say you're going to pull all these kids off of, disabled kids off of um, their health insurance or kick seniors out of nursing homes? I don't think so. I mean, the plan is still, the last I saw, it was like 17, 18% popularity. So, um,
1: One out of every five people in America on Medicaid, which is. Stunning. It's yeah. a stunning yes. number. Some seventy, yeah. some seventy-two million people, yeah. right?
6: And you hear the. Con- I mean, one favor that they've probably done is that um, you know the Affordable Care Act is more popular than it's ever been um, because <laughs> I know, I know. But, you you yeah. try to take something away from people and you watch people suddenly realize, oh, I wouldn't be able to have this. And we continue to get every day hundreds of you know, horrendous stories of what people would suffer. I did a town hall just this last weekend, actually in my neighboring Republican district. Um, Hmm. The congressman there had not had a town hall in six (laughs) years, so Indivisible invited me, and I went because I really think, Bill, that we should be talking to everybody in America. Everyone should have a chance to talk to a congressperson. So we went, and um, there were a number of really heartbreaking stories of people who are battling cancer, battling all kinds of terminal diseases um, or you know, massive diseases, and, and would be uh, thrown out of their care if this bill were to pass.
1: I just have to say, in passing, I think this is one strategy that I that I find very, very clever and also very smart. And this is doesn't the first not the first time I've heard about this, where some Republican members, senators, or house members, who refuse to hold town halls. That they'll get the hold of constituents will organize a town hall and then invite a neighboring member of Congress. I know Mark Pocan has done this in Wisconsin, among yep. others, right? Yeah, he's pretty doing good strategy. It in
6: Paul Ryan's district.
1: Have you, uh, have you uh, had a chance to attend any of these? Alex? I haven't been to any of them, but yeah, I know there are a number of uh,
5: members who are doing it, and right, I, you, you get to hear from the other side, and I think uh gain a little bit of moral high ground from it probably too but it yeah. also underscores uh, th- you know that re- a lot of these Republicans are not doing it with I think fits with the Democrats larger message that they're doing this for politics and not
1: what kind for of their, a re- what kind know. of a reception did you get
6: it was fabulous um, sunny beautiful in Seattle you know it is a big deal sunny beautiful <laughs> Saturday afternoon yeah and we probably had 160 170 people there. Um, it was at a kind of a far out location, Green River Community College. Um, but it was packed. We I, I said I wanted to keep it respectful. It was not about bashing the mm-hmm. congressman. Um, but you know, I do think that it, a couple things. One, I think that people should be able to talk about the issues in a town hall format. I just think that's important. Two, I think that Democrats should not just seed, districts across the country because there's a Republican in it. Um, we really need all of those folks to be on board and engaged in the same way that they are in my district because they have a, a Democrat who will listen to them. So I, I think that it's important for both those reasons. And it was it was a really great, very um, issues focused uh, town hall. Mm-hmm. So health care obviously was a big topic, but so was the environment um, so was taxes, so was Trump, Russia, um, a whole bunch of issues.
1: Interesting that you mentioned Trump-Russia because a lot of the, uh, you know, that we hear from the White House is that uh, nobody cares about this issue, right? I mean, well, it's just, just it, Washington reporters. I think there uh,
5: were like eight tweets to, to that effect
1: this morning. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly.
6: Well, we will have our first Judiciary Committee, not our first. Uh, Jerry Nadler had a resolution of inquiry at the <clears> beginning throat> throat> of the Year, But we I introduced a resolution of inquiry around Comey's firing um, and Sessions recusal and the tapes and we're amending it to include Donald Trump Jr. Um, and it will be heard in judiciary tomorrow. So that's a resolution that Cicilline and I, David Cicilline from Rhode mm-hmm, Island and mm-hmm. I introduced. Um, and, I you know, I mean, the House Judiciary Committee is the only committee of record that has not had. Any sort of a hearing on any of this stuff. Goodlatte has refused to do that. Chairman Goodlatte has refused to do that. Um, and so you see the Senate Judiciary Committee calling in Donald Trump Jr., yeah. Manafort. You see the House Intelligence and Senate Intelligence Committees with different, you know, differing, very varying degrees of satisfaction with each, but um, they've both been investigating this. And the House Judiciary has a responsibility. We have a constitutional responsibility to look into these issues. We haven't done that, so we will be having a hearing tomorrow. So
1: a resolution of inquiry is calling for an investigation? Is that It calls uh, uh, for that what that um, term
6: information, means? and it's a tool, it's really one of the very few tools that the minority party has to force a discussion or a vote on an issue that the majority mm. party doesn't want to bring up. So the deal is, you introduce the resolution, our resolution calls for, you know, a um, uh, Sessions to release all information related to his recusal, um, all information related to the firing of Comey, all the tapes that the White House might have, Um, will be introducing information about Donald Trump Jr. as part of the resolution. If the majority party does not bring the resolution to a hearing in the committee of jurisdiction within 14 days then it has to go to the floor for a vote. Mm. Now, it's going to be defeated in committee as well. But, um, I mean, miracles can happen. Maybe it won't be. But um, I imagine that but it'll be a raise, party line vote. you
1: raise the issue and force some You raise some the discussion. issue. Yeah. You
6: get to have a hearing on the record, on the topic. Um, we will all get to speak on the topic. And um, it, it at least allows us to bring some modicum of of discussion to an issue that really sh- deserves so much more.
1: And will there be any effort to call these either, uh, will you be calling Donald Trump Jr. or Jared Kushner? We'll or? have
6: it in the resolution, but obviously unless the chairman oh. were to invite them to testify, they they won't be there. How much do you
5: think... Uh, Democrats should be talking about the Trump-Russia stuff versus you know economics or other issues because I was just at the Berryville event yesterday where they released Yeah, I wanted to ask
1: you about that, the mm-hmm. better yeah, deal. the, the better
5: deal. deal, right. And um, Sherry Bustos, for instance, and a couple of the other members said, you know, when I'm in, in at home in my district, I hear about health care and education and jobs. I don't hear that much about uh, Trump and Russia.
6: Yeah, I think it is, um, it, you know, people don't know what to think of it, first of all. Um, There's no question that the focus is really on the economics in terms of how is my life going to improve. But at the same time, I do think that the extent to which we can help people understand what they're losing out of this arrangement that Donald Trump has with with Russia, people do care about it. Mm. So whether they're losing in terms of their democracy, being taken over by a foreign government, um, and Donald Trump making decisions or other people in his cabinet making decisions based on what Russia wants versus what the American people want. Um, you know, I think all of the things that involve taking money away from regular Americans in order to profit himself. I mean, it's interesting. I don't know that the American people in the majority necessarily care if he profits. Mm. It's does he profit at their expense? Mm. So you do have to make that link. Um but i think it's really troubling some of the stuff that we're seeing and and you know all of the conflicts of interest and the constitutional violations that i believe this administration has already committed whether it's the trump tower lease the hotel lease not trump tower but the hotel lease in dc or whether it's this you know dismissing of what could have been hundreds of millions of dollars to the taxpayers settling that case for only 6 6 million i think it was um with a person that was in the meeting. I mean, it's so complicated. It's hard to even explain, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? And I think that's where we lose a lot of people. They're like, "What is this a conspiracy theory? What is this? But it is real and it does need to be addressed. And I think that um, it's really not just about Trump anymore. I think it's really about Republicans in Congress who continue to support the president no matter what outrageous things he says or does. Um, they have to really think about what their party is going to mean to people in the long term. This is certainly not uh, a responsible action for them to be. Well, as Alex
1: to. mentioned, um, it was significant yesterday. I thought that, um, you know, there's always this one of the cliches of politics, maybe, is you can't just be against something, you have to be for something. So the Democrats yesterday going out to Berryville, Virginia. Um, slice of real America, slice of ninety real minutes America. from the Capitol. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, and saying, "Here's who we are, and here's what we stand for—a uh, better deal for for the American people." Um, is is this the right message? Uh, do you believe? And are all Democrats on board for this? And are we going to hear more about it?
6: I do think it's generally the right message. I, Bill, you know this. I am a Medicare for All person. Um, I believe we should be talking about Medicare for all. I think it's incredibly popular. This, this is, stops short of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that for a lot of districts across the country, this message works, and it, um, it brings in, you know, sort of moderates, independents, and Democrats, and it puts forward a vision. I mean, it does have livable wages. It does have, um, you know, health care, affordable quality health care. Um, prescription it it drugs. does have prescription drugs, hugely popular, very important issue, and then it does have college affordability, which has been one of my big issues for mm-hmm. some time. Um, you know, this is not an issue anymore just for young people. I think I might have mentioned this when I was on the show last time. The fastest growing demographic of people with with college loans is seniors. Hmm. They're taking on the debt of their kids and their grandkids, and oh, sometimes they're using oh. Social Security pensions to pay for it. So. You know, this is a massive issue—one point four trillion dollars in student loan debt, and it's an issue that resonates everywhere across the country. Bigger than credit card mm. debt—that's yeah. how much we have—and federal government profiting off of those student loans. So,
1: well, I thought know. it was interesting too, by the way, on on, on, on uh, Medicare for all. That um, on one of the Sunday shows that Chuck Schumer said it's on the well, it was with ABC News, yeah, and he said it's on the table. Yeah, right. Uh, right yeah, uh, it is. It no, he is didn't on, say he I, supported it. But, no,
6: I think. But look, I think
1: for for uh, the leading Democrat to say. Remember, President Obama threw it off the table yeah. when we started talking about it, yeah. and and Chuck Schumer saying, "Yeah, we ought to consider it."
6: I I think um, fact, it's a massive issue. Yeah. Uh,
1: right.
0: We're going to look at broader things. Single payer is one of them.
1: So
6: that is on uh, the table. Medicare.
0: Well sure many things are on the table Medicare for people above 55 is on the table a buy into Medicare is on the table buy into Medicaid is on the table on the broader issues we will start examining them once we stabilize the system
1: yeah so at least
6: part I, of I, the think, discussion. I think that's right and I do think and we had this question come up in town hall from some of the Medicare for all people who were like why aren't we talking about it right now and I said listen we have got to kill this bad bill, whatever bad efforts there, because those would put a massive step backwards for any kind of a single-payer system if those changes were to go through. So we do have to focus there, but I think that we've got, what, 113 co-sponsors on John Conyers 676 now, more than ever before. Um, I was just elected vice chair of the progressive, first vice chair of the progressive caucus. Mm. We're really moving that idea forward across the country. We're hoping to do some tours across the country on issues like Medicare and uh, Medicare for All and College for All in the fall. um, And to show that actually this is, these are not progressive messages. These are messages for working families across the country. I mean, I don't think that programs that have been tested in numerous developed countries have been shown to work are actually, should be considered progressive. They're just the things that we should be doing in my own Humble perspective.
5: What do you see as the big change that happened inside the party there to get to a majority of the House Caucus on that Medicare for All that single payer bill? Was it just after the election, after the Clinton campaign went away, people were like, "Oh, we can finally talk about this," or was there a <laughs> change in uh, in sentiment?
6: No, I think there's a I think there's a change in the political reality. I think there there are now people who see. Um, Bernie Sanders had a lot to do with it. Elizabeth Warren, you know, they they see that these are incredibly popular ideas, and they do see that there are still dramatic, um, you know, there there are, there are still portions of the population that have not been included completely. And without a, some sort of a single-payer Medicare for all system, you are going to continue to have many of these problems. So. Um, I think that it's a combination of the two, but it's political pressure. I mean, you know, the, if, if, if politics is the art of the possible, then the organizer's job is to expand the limits of what's possible. And I think that this last election did it both in a good way through kind of showing the message of Bernie Sanders, but also in a bad way in that Trump's kind of populist, we're going to serve the people sort of message one out at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, is, Isn't it true, though, uh, and I say this as a strong single-payer person, as are you, uh, or Medicare for All, which is too bad they didn't call it that in the beginning, I believe, yeah. is that if it happens, if it comes, it's going to come gradually. It's not going to be overnight. I mean, maybe start with a public plan option and more states do that, and then we move, right? Is, I think so. Do you see that? Because, I, think I mean, so. you know, we've got a huge public-private System which has been vastly improved by Obamacare, yeah. but it's still the insurance companies, yeah. the pharmaceutical companies play yeah. a big role in that. No, right?
6: That's, that's right. And, you know, one of the challenges has been that, I mean, I think passing a public option would be a great idea. Um, the, there are states like Washington and California, I think, that would immediately institute something like that, have a real shot yeah. of instituting something like that. Um, and we've been pushing for it in Washington State, even when I was on the in the Senate uh, in the, on the health care committee, I, I don't think it's going to come overnight. And I do think, you know, we have a majority of Democrats, according to polling now shows, uh, a majority of the country, um, including a majority of the Democrats, but not quite yet um, enough Republicans on board. So there's still concern, I think, particularly in swing districts that, you know, are these policies that people would really support. So that's where you see some of the, some of the backing off. But I think, you know, the Democratic um, vision is much clearer than anything I've seen in months and months and months. And um, I think talking about better jobs, better wages, better future, I think that's language that people understand. It's, it goes right to the person, you know, who's, Who's struggling to make ends meet. Um, and so I think there are a number of really good pieces in that. And I think, uh, given how disparate the caucus has been, I think it's a strong place to land.
1: Right. By the way, we had um, in the studio last week, uh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to meet him, Iron Stash.
6: Oh, I haven't had a chance to meet him, but we did. Have you, have you, know, you uh, interviewed him? I yeah. have not yet. No. The Progressive Caucus endorsed him. Oh, really? In his okay. race. Uh, uh,
1: he is uh, so, Randy Bryce, who yeah. is an iron worker. Uh, the mustache. great iron workers union with a mustache. And he is uh, running against Paul yeah, Ryan. Ryan.
6: And he raised like a million bucks oh, in yeah. a very yeah. short amount of time.
1: Uh, and he is, I believe, a cancer survivor himself. And his mother, has, I mean, you know, yeah. he's, his stories is about... Obamacare and the impact are really resonating, you know, and uh, uh, he's a very, very very serious candidate. Yeah. uh, um, And talk about speaking about issues that for working families. Yeah. He's for, you know, he's for real. Right. right?
6: Yeah. It is the message and it's the messenger Mm -hmm. and it's the tactics and the strategies. I mean, it's really all three things.
5: Yeah. There are the, these polls though that show once you start to tell people about the costs and how much taxes would have to go up uh, and certainly Republicans are already attacking on this that support, you know, waffles and there's a lot of people even in the party who say there's so many unknown details about how this policy would actually work that, you know, it's essentially unworkable or it, it would take years before we actually get there. How do you respond to that?
6: Well, I mean, that's all the same stuff that people said about the Affordable Care Act. You know, people said it was going to be too much. It was the taxes were going to be uh, go up. The market was going to go crazy, blah, 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 blah. Um, that is what happens when people are faced with something that they don't know. You get to take mm-hmm. the fear and use the fear to really turn people against the policy. So, yeah, I would expect that, the, you know, that it would be very difficult if we were to try to pass that. But that's why I think what Bill said is right on, that we could do it in a few particular yeah. states show that it really works and then we have more opportunity yeah. to move
1: it. We have a lot of countries Country. that show that it really works, too, already. Yeah. That right. is yeah. a very
6: good point, <laughs> Bill. Exactly. Congresswoman,
1: it's always great to see you. Great thanks for all you your too. good work. Thank, Thank you. you. And Alex, thanks for being here. Thanks, Bill. All right. Have a great day, folks. Come yes. back and see us again He's tomorrow. The Bill we'll be looking for you. Show.